you take your Bibles, please, and turn to the book of Philippians, Philippians in chapter number 4. We'd like to read responsively verses 10 through 19. Allow me to read verse number 10 and the succeeding even numbered verses through verse 18. Would you read with me beginning in verse number 11, verse 11 and the succeeding odd numbered verses through verse number 19. That's once again Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 19 and reading responsively. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from me, sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I'd like to say thank you to all the children, but they're not here to hear it, but I thank them anyhow. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Brother Dave. And thank you, Rob and Eva, for getting baptized this morning. That was beautiful. And uh, Jeff and Amanda, a wonderful wedding yesterday. We have so much to praise the Lord for. This is our Sacrifice Sunday. We've been doing this for at least 25 years, and uh, I can't keep track now. It's uh, always a Sunday before Thanksgiving. I figure it's a time of Thanksgiving. We don't have a Christmas offering. We don't have an Easter offering. Uh, very few times I can count with, uh, I think, my two hands, the number of times we've called for a special offering. Uh, try to only do that once a year, and this is a Sunday, obviously. I want to deal with the subject of sacrifices. Uh, I want to start off with the praise of the Lord. This is the month of Thanksgiving and praise, of course, and so I want to start off with thanking the Lord for, and I, I get compliments, uh, I hear compliments uh, uh, it's not to me, it's really not to you, it's to the Lord, but uh, folks come to our church facility for the first time, and God's blessed us with a beautiful facility, of course, and uh, we all know that, and we thank God for it. Uh, several million dollars of property here, of course, and uh, sometime, hopefully in the near future, we'll have a vision Sunday and talk about what God's done for us in these last years, and how he's been so gracious to us, and I may be a little bit prejudiced, but I'm thankful we're on a hillside, and we have a beautiful scenery out front, of course, and the nine and a half acres we have. It's, uh, God's blessed us in a great way. I draw your attention to one verse. It's our text verse. It's Philippians chapter 4. This is a prison epistle written by the Apostle Paul, of course. He's ready to lose his life. And he has a premonition of such, I believe. Uh, he's ready to lay down his life for the gospel's sake, and he does do that. He ends up being beheaded, as we, history tells us, of course, in a Roman prison. And, uh, but he, he's 
he's full. He says, the Lord Jesus Christ is his Savior. He's, uh, if we started in verse number one of chapter four, we could read about uh, verse four. It says, uh, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Uh, he's learned what sort of state he is in to be content. He's learned uh, to praise God and uh, think on good things. Verse number eight, of course, and the peace of God that passes all understanding. Uh, he talks about that. And uh, he, he, he has no wants, uh, no lack of anything in verse number 11. And uh, he's in great shape as he's sitting in a prison ready to lose his head. And, uh, but he says to these Philippians, this church at Philippi, verse 18 is our text verse, but I have all and, and, and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, this church sent to his need, as we're going to find out. And, and Paul calls it an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, a sacrifice acceptable, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. I was, been to, I've been to Montreal, I believe, on three times. Probably never go back to Canada since I haven't been vaccinated, but that's another story. But uh, uh, in Canada, uh, Montreal, I saw the three great temples or cathedrals. I was at the Cathedral of Notre Dame. I was, uh, we toured the, the Mary, Queen of the, Queen of the World Catholic Church. It's a half-sized replica of the Vatican. Vatican's only 500 feet tall. And inside is a dome, of course, and Mary, Queen of the World is only 250 feet tall. It's a half replica. Hundreds of millions of dollars we toured the toured the uh, cathedral at St. Joseph's in Montreal. I don't know if any of you have been there. 500 steps to the altar, of course, and uh, 500 steps. So it's 200 are outside, I believe, and 300 inside the building, of course. And when we were there, we saw a lady on her knees, of course, uh, on step 37. We toured the cathedral for about an hour and a half. We came out, and she was on step 39 uh, on her knees, praying, uh, trying to atone for her sins. We went to Quebec City and uh, visited St. Anne of Beaupre. Anybody been there besides me? Uh, I'm not, not exaggerating. Uh, it's, it's terrible to say it this way, but it's, uh, it, 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 it help you understand uh, the uh, Mormon temple in, over there in uh, Farmington, of course. Uh, it's like a Kentucky outhouse, pardon the slang, uh, compared to St. Anne of Beaupre. I said, there's more money in this church facility than in all the Baptist churches east of the Mississippi. And I'm only slightly exaggerating. Uh, it's unbelievable. Hundreds of millions of dollars, uh, uh, priceless, gold, silver. You, you can't even imagine, of course. And you ask the question, why did they do that? Why did people give so much money over these last 200 years, 150 years to build those great cathedrals? Let me let you in on a little secret. They were trying to give a sacrifice to God. That's what they were trying to do. You say, preacher, it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercies he saved us. We can never offer a sacrifice by our silver and gold that could ever attain salvation. Of course not. Right. Salvation is of the Lord, of course, and we're redeemed not by corruptible things as silver and gold, but by our, our, vain, by our vain conversation or our lifestyle, but by the precious blood of Christ. But here we see in Philippians chapter 4, I want you to notice verses 10 to 19 as we draw to our text once again, that Paul is, has a thankful, grateful acknowledgement of the, the kindness that the Philippians 
of the Philippian church in sending a present for his support now that he was a prisoner in Rome. They sent to him once and again several times, we find out. The church in Philippi was founded, and we read about the founding of it in, by the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 16. He started off with a hodgepodge of members. His first member was a businesswoman by the name of Lydia of Silver of Purple. Another member was a soothsayer or a young woman with a demonic spirit, demonic powers, and another convert was the Roman, Roman prison guard, of course, that was saved in his family and baptized uh, the same night he was saved. And uh, this is what Paul started off with, this hodgepodge of Jews and Gentiles and uh, witches and, and uh, folks that just received Christ as their savior. And this Macedonian church owed their salvation to the apostle Paul, humanly speaking. But Paul said in Romans chapter one that he was a debtor. He felt he was a debtor both to the Jews and the Greeks, to the barbarians, to the wise and unwise. Paul felt indebted. He felt that he needed to give his life as a sacrifice for all that God had done for him. And he wanted to relay and, and be, be uh, not ashamed of the gospel of Christ and tell it to others that others might be saved as well. But uh, now we see Paul thanking these Philippians for, their, for, for, for them providing for him or sacrificing for him. Notice verse 15 of our text. It says, Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated. That is a word that means partnership, or uh, the word means fellowship, or in other words, uh, gave to my needs. No church gave to my needs with me as concerning giving and receiving. You see, this communication was that they gave and gave, they they gave uh, unto him but he says you're the only church that helped me financially speaking for even in Thessalonica you sent once and again unto my necessity not that because I desire a gift but I desire fruit that may abound to your account of course and so he he commended them for their giving him a financial blessing of course and uh, Paul as I said already was I think he had a premonition that he was going to die. This is one of the last, probably the second last epistle that Paul wrote, letter that he wrote. The second, the last letter we believe is Second Timothy chapter uh, four. He says, uh, the time of my departure is now at hand. He knew that the executioner was near, of course. But he said in Philippians chapter one, verse number 20, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also I shall, Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. And he knew his departure and way of martyrdom was soon, of course. So this morning's question is, Paul, of course, gave his life as a sacrifice to the Lord. He talks about a living sacrifice. Brother Benedict, Brother Bob uh, mentioned that in his prayer, of course. And, uh, but this morning's question is, is there, is there a way that I can say thank you to God to making a sacrifice, and if so, how and what kind? Can we make a sacrifice? Uh, those people up in Canada and around the world make sacrifices all the time to, uh, whether it be uh, when I was in India, I saw the Hindu temples in a massive, of course, uh, uh, again, hundreds of millions of dollars of money to build these ziggurats, these temples at 15 stories high, of course, their gods and goddesses. What are they doing? They're trying to sacrifice. Well. The word sacrifice, quickly, is a Bible word found 333 times in the Bible, 332 times to be exact, the word sacrifice or sacrifices. It's the key word of the book of Leviticus in the Old Testament. It's the key word, or one of the key words in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. And biblically speaking, we see 
The first sacrifice take place in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. We don't find the word sacrifice, but there we see that God sacrificed an animal to make coats of skin to cleanse, to cover Adam and Eve from their sin or their nakedness, of course. So we see right off the bat a, a blood sacrifice that the Lord offered or conducted that uh, Adam and Eve's sin might be covered, of course. Biblically speaking, the offering up of a sacrifice is to be regarded as a divine institution. It's sacrifices from God. It didn't originate from man. God himself appointed as mode acceptable worship for him in the Old Testament, of course. And uh, the idea and language of sacrifice pervades the whole Bible, of course. And there were two types of sacrifices in the Old Testament. Mainly there was there was unbloody sacrifices. If we go to Leviticus, for time's sake, we won't do that. There's uh, offering of first fruits. There's offering of tithes. There's offerings of meat and drink offerings. And there's offering of incense, all unbloody sacrifices. But uh, the main sacrifices, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22 says this, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. The bloody sacrifices, there were the burnt offerings, there were peace offerings, there were sin and trespass offerings, all required a blood sacrifice. And Revelation 1.5 says, in the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, that we're washed by the blood of the, uh, blood of the lamb, of course. We're washed by the blood of Christ, obviously. It's the only way that we could have our sins atoned. So there's a biblical sacrifice. But what about a man's sacrifice to God? Is it possible to sacrifice to God? Well, here in our text, evidently it is. And we've already said that uh, all of our righteousness are as filthy rags. So we can't offer our good works. We can't offer our money as a way of sacrifice. We can't offer our, 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 any sacrifice to atone for our sins. But we can offer, offer sacrifice to say thank you to a gracious God. But the offerings of uh, the sacrifice, God does not accept the sacrifices of the wicked. Proverbs 15 verse 8 says, The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. But the prayer of the upright is his delight. If you're here this morning and you think the church just wants your money, let me say this as kindly as I can. We don't need your money. I'm not looking for your money. God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. God's not out to get your wallet. He's out to get your life, of course. If he gets your life, he'll get your wallet as well. But Britannica uh, Encyclopedia gives the, the worship, or rather sacrifice, as the act of giving up something that you want to keep, especially in order to get or to do something else or to help someone else. It talks about in order to get. Uh, we'll talk about that here in a few moments here. We don't give to get, but we'll come back to that in a few minutes here. But let me give you the, the definition on the screen here. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary of Sacrifice. Sacrifice can be defined as, and this is one, one soundbite of what sacrifice is according to Merriam-Webster, an act of offering to a deity something precious. An act of offering to deity something precious. So in the next several minutes, I want to give you several acceptable sacrifices well-pleasing to God. In Psalm, 1, Psalm, 100, Psalm 51 in verse number 17, it's one of the two penitential psalms of David after he sinned with his, made his great sin with Bathsheba, of course. The Bible says in Psalm 51 verse 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. The first acceptable sacrifice that you can offer to God is the sacrifice of a repentant heart. Repentant heart. The Bible says, Paul said, testifying both of the Jews and Greek, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. If you're here and wonder what can wash away your sins, 
Well, if you give $1,000 today to the house of God, you can, I can wash away your sins. No, I can't do that. You can wash away your sins by, I'll come to church next week. I'll start to come to church every time the doors are open. You, you can't get to heaven by coming to church. You get to heaven by repenting of your sin and receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior. He's not willing that any should perish, but that also come to repentance. God wants you to repent and receive Christ as Savior. And Caleb did a wonderful job last week of preaching on the, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world, of course. And, and so there's a sacrifice of a repentant heart. And it's a sacrifice that's well-pleasing to the Lord. And when we repent of our sins, the psalmist said, I will be sorry for my sins. But not only that, but Psalm 27 in verse number 6. Before I give you Psalm 6, let me give you Psalm 4. It's not on the screen, but Psalm 27, verse number 6 says, verse 4 says, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, that I may behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. The psalmist said in Psalm 122, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord, but in the house of the Lord, we do some singing, of course. And, and I want to give you the sacrifice uh, that's acceptable to God. The second sacrifice that's acceptable according to the word of God. It says the sacrifice of, of a, joyful, a joyful heart or joyful singing heart. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And uh, Psalm 27, 6 says, and now shall my head be lifted up upon my uh, enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing. Yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Did you ever wonder why we sing before the message for about a half hour? We're filling time. Is that what we're doing? And some people think that's just a filler. No, we're preparing our hearts. We're offering praise to the Lord by way of singing. Uh, we were all moved when the kids sang the song, of course, and uh, it touched our heart. When we sing, we're God's children. We it touches his heart. And so there's a sacrifice that's acceptable unto God, well-pleasing in his sight, the, the sacrifice of a repentant heart, the sacrifice of a joyful heart. But then thirdly, Psalm 107, verse 22 says this, and let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving. This is the month of thanksgiving, of course. We're just going to celebrate officially on Thursday. And declare his works with rejoicing. Sometimes... There's a, well, thirdly, there's a sacrifice of a thank, thankful heart. Uh, my grandkids were half a choir this morning here, if you noticed here. And uh, uh, they, they did my heart well to see them up there, of course. And Caleb's with other half of the kids. Uh, not quite, there's several other kids up there too. But, but uh, just having them sing gave joy to my heart, of course. And uh, the greatest words I can hear from my grandchildren are the three great, greatest words, I love you. And the next two greatest words are thank you. When they say thank you, they're saying in a roundabout way, they're saying I love you as well. And when we say, when we have our thanksgiving to the Lord, we're saying, I love you, Lord. And uh, Jonah, when he uh, went, to, went to Nineveh, God said, go to Nineveh. And he said, go. And Jonah said, oh, uh, he didn't go, of course, right away. You know the rest of that story. I was swallowed by the whale, of course, and three days and three nights in the belly of the whale. And uh, then he went, of course, and he said in Jonah 2.9, this is after he spit out of the whale, whale's belly, he said, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I guess he would after he'd been in a whale's belly for three days. And uh, I will pay that which I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And he realized that he gave thanks because God had saved him from uh, the belly of the whale, of course, and from his own destruction, of course. So there's the sacrifice of a thankful heart. Then there's the sacrifice, and Brother Bob again quoted the verse already, 
Uh, Romans 12, 1 and 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's a ser- sacrifice of a serving heart, a serving heart, and uh, a serving life. I have to take time out. I'm so dry. Let me drink my water here. better thank you we are called to consecrate our bodies in abstaining from worldly lust which war against the flesh paul says that in a number of verses second corinthians first corinthians 6 18 rather we are called to flee fornication uh, marriage is undefiled and the, the marriage is honorable in all things in the bed undefiled but whoremongers and adulterers god will judge i said that in the context and i know that jeff and amanda wouldn't mind me saying this uh they did the right thing and got married, of course, and did holy matrimony, of course. And God's called us to have a body that's, that's uh, set apart for him. We're the temple of the living God. We're to serve him. We're the clean vessels, of course. We're to, we're to be clean in our, our service to the Lord, and that means including our bodies as well. So there's a sacrifice of a serving heart, uh, a serving life, of course. Then there's the sacrifice, 1 Peter 2, 5. And let me give you a fifth one. There's a sacrifice of a prayerful heart that's pleasing in God. It's a sweet-smelling savor in the nostrils of the Lord, of course. The Bible says, Ye also are lively stones, are built up on a spiritual house, and holy priesthood. Priests are meant to pray for others. There's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. He's a high priest, of course, but we're, we're to be priests of God, and we can go directly to God through the Lord Jesus Christ, our high priest. And uh, we, to vows says, your spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. And so there's prayer that's a sweet-smelling savor in the nostrils of God. He's, he's pleased with that sacrifice, the sacrifice of prayer. Then a, a sixth one, there's a sacrifice found in, uh, that's acceptable to the Lord in Hebrews 13, verse 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. We are created to be the praise of his glory. Do you realize what we're going to be doing in heaven for all eternity? We're going to be praising the name that's above every name. For, forever and ever and ever. And we'll never get tired of it. That's, some people get tired of an hour-long service. And uh, when we get to heaven, we'll, we'll be praising him forever and ever and ever. And we'll enjoy every second of it, of course. And so it's an it's a honor to praise the Lord, of course. And it's, it's a sacrifice acceptable unto him. But that leads me to the... The seventh and the final uh, list of acceptable sacrifices to the Lord, well-pleasing to the Lord. It's found in our text. Let's go back to verse 15 of chapter 4 for one more time. It says, Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. And ye sent once to me, and I'm paraphrasing verse number 16. We've read the verse already twice. Uh, when I was in Thessalonica, he sent once and again to my necessity. And then he says, of course, those verses uh, in verse 18, but I have all and am abound. I am full. I have, having received of Epaphroditus, the things which were sent from you, uh, this material offering, this physical, this financial offering, an odor of a sweet smell and sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. And so we see this seventh way of sacrifice that's well-pleasing to God, and that's the sacrifice of a giving heart or of a, of a giving soul or giving individual. And so 
Uh, I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and this is the, the body of the message, and we won't be long this morning, but 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and chapter 8 of 2 Corinthians. And I want to give you three things to be a true sacrifice that must, must include, of course. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and chapter 8 are what we sometimes call the grace-giving chapters of the Bible as the New Testament. It's, we read about this, first of all, with prophet Agabus is his name in, in Acts. We read several passages in Acts, and we know from history and we know from the prophecy of the Agabus that there, he prophesied that there would be dearth or famine in the land of Israel. And there's actually three great uh, famines that are recorded in the 40s and early 50s of uh, A.D. 50 and A.D. 40 by secular history of times where there was great famine in what we know of today as the nation of Israel, not Palestine, by the way, but that's another story. And, uh, uh, and Agabus said there would be great dearth in the land, and sure enough, that, that, prophet, that prophecy came to pass, of course, and famine t- happened. And so Paul's in Asia Minor. He's in the country of Greece. There's, Greece is divided into Macedonia in the north and Achaia in the south. And Macedonia was uh, the home of the Bereans and the, the uh, Philippians, of course, and the southern, king, southern part of uh, Greece was the home of uh, Corinth. It still is today, of course, the, the Corinthians and so forth. And so he, he writes to, he, he comes to the church in 2 Corinthians 8, this rich church, this Las Vegas of the day of Greece, this uh, New York City or this Los, Los, Los Angeles of uh, Greece, uh, very, very uh, prominent and very affluent and very financially well off. And he, he mentions, as we're going to find out, the churches of Macedonia, and we'll get there. And, uh, and they were the poor churches. They were the churches like West Virginia or Mississippi. And uh, they were poor folks. But in order to have a sacrifice, a true sacrifice offering, acceptable to God, that type of sacrifice, you can sacrifice many different ways. You can give to the Shriners, you can give to the homeless, you can give uh, to, to Salvation Army, many ways you can give money to things and so forth. But to give a sacrifice to the Lord, it's got to be done in these three different ways here. Number one, verse number seven of chapter nine. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Notice that a true sacrifice offering must first be given willingly. Must be given willingly. Not vo- that means voluntarily, without coercion. Every man has his purposes in his heart. It doesn't say every man has the pastor purposes for people to give. Or as I ask you, of course, and, uh, or tell you to give. Nobody's ever received a letter in 38 years from Harvest Baptist Church saying, you've got to give X amount this year to the house of God, of course. I've said this many times, and when I talk about money, people get funny, so you've got to understand that I've never found out who gives around here. And all of you that have been here for a, long, a lot of years, you know that to be the truth. And uh, now some of you handed me a check for $1,000 or $500 or $100 or what have you, and uh, I, I've got that, of course, from time to time for a special need for the church. And uh, I've had several people uh, come and give checks for $3,000, $5,000, and uh, and uh, large amounts of money, of course, but uh, I don't find out who gives, and I uh, never have found out who gives, and you don't really give to, you don't give to this preacher for sure, you don't really give to this church, you give through the church to the Lord, of course, and uh, uh, it's a voluntary free will offering, and I want you to notice how that willingness comes from, where it comes from, it comes from the heart, 
And uh, Christianity is largely an affair of the heart. In fact, Christianity starts in the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And so we confess, we repent of our sins, we ask Christ to come into our heart, and he accepts that sacrifice, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's the first sacrifice we can offer to the Lord. And then uh, we offer our heart to the Lord, of course. And, and uh, so this offering must be given willingly from the heart. And uh, in Exodus 35, when the Old Testament tabernacle was built, Moses came to the people, constructed by God, of course, in Exodus 35 and verse number 5. He says, Take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord, whosoever is of a willing heart, bring it an offering of the Lord, gold, silver, and, gold and silver, and brass. Last time I checked, gold, silver, and brass oh, commands a lot of money, of course, obviously. And uh, you're here this morning and say, you know, I, boy, I knew these churches, they just, uh, this church is just out for your money. Uh, let me say this kindly and lovingly as they say, I don't want your money, I don't need your money. God's taken care of us for 38 years, he'll continue to take care of us. And let me just get, I hope I'm not in the flesh when I say this, I say it in all kindness and love. God, I hate to burst your bubble, God doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. The work of God will go on just fine without you and me. And there's a, and yet he wants to include us. And uh, he has, there's a part for us to do too. And that we can do, that, no, we don't have to do it, but we get to do it, of course. And so the first offering, Paul is encouraging this church at Corinth to give an offering to the poor saints at Jerusalem. Uh, uh, a year earlier, he came, of course, they came and uh, uh, said, we're going to come back in one year and give, uh, uh, collect an offering. And so uh, and be prepared for it. And, but every man according to his purpose is in his heart. So an offering to be a true sacrifice offering to the Lord must be given, first of all, willingly, not by coercion, not by prompting, not by uh, co uh, pastor saying, you must give this if you're going to be a member of uh, this church or what have you, uh, or if you want to go to heaven. Uh, no amount of money could ever be given to get you, to redeem you from your soul, or your sins from heaven. But look at verse number 12 and through 14 of chapter 8. It says, let me back up to verse number 11 for context's sake. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 11. Uh, in fact, let me back up to verse number 10 if I can. But also to be forward a year ago. Uh, now, verse number 11. Now, therefore, perform the doing of it. He said, you said you were going to give an offering. Now we're here. To, we're going to come and collect it. And uh, that there, is, there was a readiness to will so there may be also performance also out of that which ye have. Now verse number 12 says this, for if there first be a willing mind, or we could say heart, of course, a willing mind or heart, uh, if there first be a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. For I mean not that others men be eased and ye be burdened. Verse 14 is a very key verse to everyone in this room probably, because everyone in this room Nobody in this room really thinks that they're rich. We all think we're pretty, we're just scraping by and so forth. And, and uh, the way our lifestyles are, most of us are just scraping by, myself included, of course. And, uh, uh, but God's, we're all, I always like to say we're all really rich and we just don't know it. But uh, verse number 14 says, but by inequality, 
that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want or their lack, that, their, that your abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be an equality. Uh, I've been wishing for this for 38 years. Uh, we owe $220,000 of mortgage debt right now. That's pretty good. And one time we were, we were $966,000 in debt, of course. And uh, we paid mortgage payments for th almost 40 years in the last 38 years. We paid double payments for a year and a half when we owned two facilities, uh, one place in Torrington still and, and this, this facility out here, of course. And uh, Lord's took care of us, of course, but we, uh, I've been hoping for a millionaire to walk in the door someday and uh, just say, hey, I want you to step into Caleb's church, his brother-in-law down in uh, North Carolina. They had a $300,000 debt and uh, mortgage payment. And somebody came in and asked, preacher, how much is your mortgage payment? He said, 320000 whatever it was. He says, here, here's a check. And he brought out a check for 320000 So who's going to write out a check this morning for 220000 for Harvest Baptist, of course? Uh, I've been waiting for that to happen for 238 years. It hasn't happened yet. So, And uh, you say, preacher, who gives to the work of God? I find out more, more often than not, it's just regular, everyday people. In fact, it's almost universally everyday people. Not many mighty, not many wise, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the wise. The widows give more, I'm, I, I believe, uh, many times. And it's not equal uh, in regards to verse number 14. It's not equality, equal giving, but it's, it's equal sacrifice. Not equal giving, but equal sacrifice. It's given by a willing heart, of course. But then back to 2 Corinthians 9, the second way that a sacrifice offering acceptable to the Lord must be given. It must be given, first of all, willingly. If you can't give it willingly, don't give it. It won't do you any good. Uh, but then secondly, verse number seven again, every man is according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not, what's the next word, help me out, class, grudgingly, or of necessity, for God loveth a what kind of giver? Cheerful giver. You know, it must be given cheerfully. Uh, the Lord says in, in Acts 20, 35, we remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how it is more blessed to give than receive. It's uh, happy giving, it's uh, not grudgingly, not with sorrow, not with pain, not with annoyance, but happily. In fact, the word cheerful is, a, that word cheerful is a fun word in the Greek language. The word cheerful is the word hilaros. We get our word hilarious from, hilarious giving. And I have to be careful here when I use people from the past. And I know I probably use Brother Slim Abbott in illustrations more than anybody else in the last 10 years or so. And I... I'm not praising the man, I'm praising the, the God of that man, of course, the Savior of that man, Lord Jesus Christ. And he can't, Slim can't get mad at me now. He's in heaven for the last for 14 years or so. And so uh, he won't, he won't uh, get upset with me. He would if he was here for sure. But Brother Abbott was a great giver in our church, of course. That's why we named the pavilion after him, of course. And he wasn't a rich man, but uh, he gave and he gave and he gave. I love the story. We went to, after he worked till he was 65 in the factory, he got a second job, and he worked at Camp Jewel up in Norfolk, uh, the YMCA camp. And he, uh, they, uh, true story, he, they offered to pay him, this is 15 years ago, 18 years ago, they offered to pay him $10 an hour for 20 hours a week. He said, no, 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 no. He said, why don't you pay me $5 an hour for 40 hours a week? That was, that was Slim Abbott, of course. And, uh, and he gave so much of his money to the cause of Christ. In fact, one day, 
And Glenn knows this, and, uh, and we, we've talked, of course, but one day he took me to that back little room that he, he died in a bed in a little, little small room about the size of a large closet. And he, I saw him on the day he died on a Saturday. He was laid out there, and uh, the victor that he was. And uh, I got to see him on Saturday afternoon before the coroners came and took him. And they had a safe here, and Glenn, uh, this paid, I'm not, he told me not to tell you guys, but uh, he had a safe here. He says, Preacher, he called me over, this was 25 years ago, and he said, and he gave and gave and gave, he gave 90% of his money to the church, and uh, he died probably pretty much of a poor man, but he gave to the work of God and to missions. He loved missions, of course. And he gave and gave and gave, of course. And he took me over to his safe and he did the combination. He says, don't tell anybody. And uh, now, I'm, now I'm tattling 15 years after the fact. And uh, again, he can't get mad at me. He's, he's in heaven. So uh, he opened the safe and he counted out $9,000 and $20 bills. And uh, he gave me a stack of $9,000 and, uh, and uh, for the certain project that we had going on before. And the Lord used him, and he did it cheerfully, happily. And uh, it's amazing. He did it cheerfully, happily. But then thirdly, I want you to notice the third way that we must give a sacrifice offering. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, look at verse 1 and verse 2 here in just a moment here. Moreover, brethren, I, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, now the churches of Macedonia was, one church was the church at Philippi, of course. Now in a great trial of affliction, in abundance of their joy and their deep poverty, abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Even to this day, 2,000 years later, northern Greece is much more poorer than southern Greece. That's where Corinth is today, of course, and on the coastline it's money, but up in the mountain towns it's not so much so. And the poor churches were in the north and the the rich churches were in the south and Paul's writing to this rich church in the south in Corinth and he says I want to tell you about the, I want to remind you of the grace of God uh, the great trial of affliction and in abundance of their joy and their deep poverty uh, their, the abundance of the riches of their liberality for to their power I bear record, yea and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, notice it says to their power and beyond their power in order to have us to have a true sacrifice offering must be given, number one, willingly. Be given, number two, cheerfully, hilariously, happily. And no, God doesn't love a cheerful giver or grudging giver. But thirdly, it needs to be done sacrificially. It needs to hurt a little bit. I call it a happy hurt. And uh, it needs to hurt a little bit. They gave beyond to their power and beyond their power. You see, praying with us or asking us with much entreaty, verse 4, that we should receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. They said, no, we want to give. They were so poor that Paul said, well, I don't even want to take from them. They didn't have so much. But they, verse number five, and this they did not as they hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and to, unto us by the will of God. They gave their heart to the Lord, of course. And uh, giving that sacrificial must be, or giving that uh, true sacrifice must be sacrificial. There's a story in 2 Samuel chapter 24, Verse 24, but I need to give you the context. In Samuel 20, 2 Samuel 24, there's a great plague that comes upon the nation of Israel because of David's sin of numbering the people, and you might remember that. And uh, they, he numbered the people, and the, the wrath of God came down on the people, and 70,000 people were killed, of course, in over a three-day period of time. And uh, 
he had to offer a sacrifice offering to the Lord, of course, and a fellow by the name of Aruna came along and said, you can have my threshing floor, you can have my barn, you can have my grounds, and you can do the, the burnt offering right here, of course, and you can have it for nothing, of course. But David said these words, he said, and the king said unto Aruna, nay, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which does cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver, a lot of money even back in those days. And David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and sacrifices. So the Lord was entreated for the land and the plague was, was stayed from Israel. So a financial sacrifice offering must be given willingly, voluntarily is, without coercion, gladly, happily, hilariously, but also must cost you something. It's got to hurt a little bit. It's got to be as I said, a, a happy hurt. And I want you to turn to one last passage. It's not on the screen, but I want you to turn to Matthew 9 and we'll summarize here. Matthew chapter, excuse me, Matthew chapter 6 it is. Matthew chapter 6. And Paul said to the Philippians, he says, not that I desire a gift, but, that, but fruit that may abound to your account. The Lord said, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give in your bosom. For the same measure you meet, wherewithal it shall be measured unto you again. There's a, there's a joy of giving. There's a happiness of giving. There's a willing, from a willing heart, from a cheerful heart, and then from a sacrificial heart. Slim Abbott died, and I planned for the last time. You know I'm not trying to be offensive. He died basically a poor man. But Slim is richer than anybody in this room this morning. I promise you that. He's, he's in heaven, of course, and... Uh, Bible says, and we all have things, uh, by the way, let me just say this so there's no misunderstanding. I like nice things better than, probably better than you. I, I love nice cars. I love nice, I, I love everything nice. I want everything nice. I want a mansion. I want, I want cars. I want, I want boats. I want, no, I'm just kind of teasing a little bit, but I, I have no problem with people liking nice things. I like nice things, and uh, I want to live well and so forth, but Bible says in Matthew 6, 19, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. Let me just stop right there for a moment and consider. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. What do we have on earth that we're going to take with us to heaven? Bob, thank you. I'll pick on Bob all of a sudden. He just, I just caught his eyes. Thank you for your Lexus. He, he gives a great deal on the Lexus uh, car that I drive, of course, 2008. It looks like it's about 2023. And... Uh, uh, but I can't take that Lexus with me to heaven. And you can't take your motorboat to heaven or your car to heaven or your 401k to heaven. Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves do break through and steal. The government does a good job of doing that, stealing that is, but that's another story. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth doth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do break through and steal. Verse number 21 says, for where your treasure is, there where your what? heart be also. I said Christianity is largely an affair of the heart. God wants your heart first. He doesn't want your wallet. He wants your heart. He wants your life. He wants, if he has your heart and he has your life, he, he'll, he'll get your wallet and he'll get everything because everything is, belongs to him and he, he, we're just stewards and caretakers of what he's given us. God's been so good to us. I close with a story and in just a moment we'll sing page 39 as Brother Dave comes to the platform. And uh, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Francis Havergale lived to 
be 43 years of age, she was a genius. She memorized the entire book of uh, Psalms. She memorized all the New Testament, most of Isaiah, Proverbs. Uh, never got married. Beautiful lady, by the way. Knew three languages, three, three languages fluently. Uh, uh, wrote thousands of poems, hundreds of songs. But it wasn't until she wrote near the end of her life, her long life of 43 years, she wrote this song, Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my silver and my gold, not a might would I withhold. It was not until she read that, she wrote that song, nor that hymn, the greatest of all of her hymns that we're going to sing in just a moment, that she said it was a deeper consecration to, to the Lord than ever before when I gave my whole life to the Lord. Gave him my body, my soul, and my, my tithe, my tithes and my talents. She gave to the, she gave to the Lord, and she died. Uh, not a, she could have died as a millionaire lady. She made she sold so many songs that were printed, of course, and so many poems, of course. She could have been a... She gave her all her money to the work of God, of course, and she's in heaven, been in heaven for the last 150 years, but she gave a sacrifice to the Lord that was well-pleasing, and it was willingly given, cheerfully given, and yet it must be sacrificial. Uh, I want to encourage you to pray what the Lord would have you to do in regards to giving through the work of God to this church, to, to the, the cause of Christ in, as we serve the Lord in these coming days and years and the rest of this year. Let's bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, Thank you for your word, dear God. I pray that you bless in our moments of invitation and reflection. Lord, the first thing you want is our heart. You want our heart and you want our, the praising of our lips and the prayer of our, upon our lips, dear God, and joy and singing in our hearts and lives and a sacrifice that's well acceptable, pleasing to you, Lord, a consecrated body. And Lord, uh, Lord, you want us to give of our love offerings to our missions and to the cause of world evangelization. Lord, I really believe the greatest cause in the world is to spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ to unsaved lost around the world. I pray you bless in our invitation time this morning. We pray in Jesus' name I ask. Amen.